0: You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed
1: as we welcome you along to the programme I can already see phone lines are busy this morning so please have patience John Paul's doing his best to answer as many of them as he can 0818 103 103. but of course you can always contact us directly here to the studio by text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. and of course emails also welcome today at c103.ie in a couple of minutes we will be speaking with one of the members of the Oroctus Media Committee who's going to be this afternoon. meeting with Ryan Tuberty and uh, his agent, Noel uh, Kelly. And I have got a copy of all of the documents that have been uh, published and given to both of the Oireachtas uh, Committee hearings for today. And they're, they're quite detailed and there's a lot of emails going over and back between Noel Kelly, the agent for Ryan Tuberty and RTE. And there's various contracts uh, of um, Ryan Tuberty I don't know for the committee members this morning if they're able to go through all of them by the time they get in to talk with Ryan Toberty and Noel uh, Kelly because they are due in before the Public Accounts Committee at 11 o'clock this morning they'll get a uh, I think it's about a one hour break and then 3 o'clock this afternoon they will be back in at the Oireachtas Media uh, Committee and of course we know both witnesses Ryan and Noel are attending voluntarily but they are going to be accompanied by their legal advisors and it is going to be a busy week for the various Oroctus committees because tomorrow Let's not forget the GAA Go uh, controversy and we were talking about that. That was, had created a major national row. The fact that uh, GAA and RTE were forcing so many of the GAA games behind a paywall and it was decided that the Iraqis Media Committee would discuss that and that is still going ahead and that's going to happen uh, tomorrow. And then on Thursday we have a, a, another instalment... <laughs> It does, it does feel like it's a gripping TV show we're watching at, at at some point. Thursday then is going to be the new RTE Director General. He took up his job. I saw one of the papers call it the, the job from hell. This is Kevin Backhurst. He'll be before the Public Accounts Committee um, for the first time in his new role. And that's going to be on Thursday. Now, there will be other RTE bosses with them. The head of sport, uh, Declan McBennett, is expected to attend former DG Noel Curran. He was invited last week but he was unable to attend. He's going to be there on uh, Thursday. And I've also read that the uh, head of content, Jim Jennings, he has been he was unable to attend earlier sessions due to illness but I've seen in some of the papers that he's going to be there on Thursday. it will be interested to hear from him but obviously all the focus of the Thursday PAC committee meeting is obviously going to be on uh, Kevin Backhurst um, because politicians say the main focus will be on his ability to rebuild the shattered organisation and says morning Patricia there'll be fireworks in the committee meeting today. There surely will, there surely will because already within an hour of the release of the document from Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly. RTE already coming out um, disputing some of what Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly are going to say today. So the battle uh, continues. But then, and I can see a number of texts coming in on this and a number of people talking about RTE. Can I say for all of the right uh, reasons because, as a public service broadcaster, particularly the RTE Investigates programme, when they decide to do those RTE Investigate programmes, they are always brilliant and they always get the nation talking. And they have the nation talking again today, following the programme that was aired uh, last night. It was called Milking It Dairy's Dirty Secret. And it aired last night and it uncovered breaches of animal welfare rules at a number of cattle marts around the country. And unfortunately, some of those cattle marts were here in uh, Cork. Reading in the paper today, the government is to launch an investigation into what was uncovered uh, last night. The programme revealed a big push on milk production. And of course, that was fuelled by the abolition of the milk quotas back in 2015. It led to 1.5 million dairy calves being born in Ireland every year They're born. Why? So that the mothers can continue to produce uh, milk. But around half a million of those calves are bull calves. They're considered lower grade quality, means they're not suitable for rearing and they're not suitable for rearing for a beef. And they are, as the programme showed last night, virtually valueless to some farmers. And they may end up being slaughtered on farms or they go to meat factories or They're being exported as veal to mainland Europe. The investigation last night revealed how some March sales animals couldn't be given away free of charge, such as the oversupply of calves. Now, that obviously is at peak times of the calving season, which I think runs for about uh, six to eight weeks between the period in spring and in autumn. The Irish Farmers Association say any Department of Agriculture investigation into mistreatment of animals at marts and during transportation. They're saying it has to be swift, it has to be thorough and it has to be robust. The IFA and their other farm members, they say, have a zero tolerance approach to the mistreatment of animals, sales at public auction, and the transportation of animals. They're governed by regulations and they must be adhered to but watching some of the footage we saw last night they're not being uh, adhered to. The IFA said it wasn't asked to contribute to the programme and they weren't shown the footage in advance advance that they watched it uh, the same way as we all watched it uh, last night. Now the Department of Agriculture said it condemns any mistreatment of animals. They say they take reports of animal welfare abuses seriously. As the information provided suggests, uh, avoidable pain and our suffering has been caused to animals, the Department of Agriculture, Food and Marine as the competent authority will now initiate an investigation. In one of the papers I saw Ray Doyle, he's a livestock and environmental executive with the Irish um, Cooperative Organisation Society. He uh, told RT Investigates, the issue of just having a stick in your hand for a calf under 42 days of age is illegal and all of those little calves that we saw last night were definitely under 42 days of age he said pulling and dragging them and throwing them is also illegal so he said he would have no issue with the full rigours of the law for on those individuals now what very much featured on the programme and I'm just recapping because I'm conscious that not everybody watched it last night the export of the unwanted calves to the continent now It's worth about 170 million every year, and it sees some ferries out of Irish ports carrying anything up to 3,000 calves in a single sailing. Undercover RTE filming found livestock handlers at several marts treating young calves with respect, which was lovely to see. But others then, including mart workers, it included farmers, it included the guys that are working as the transporters, showing a complete disregard for the welfare of these little animals. The RT team followed a truck with Irish calves they, were, they initially started the journey from a Wicklow. They followed it down to Rossel Airport. They then boarded the overnight ferry to Cherbourg in France. Now the animals stayed inside in the trucks and when they, when they were inside in the trucks they had no access to milk or water for the entire journey. A cameraman filmed below deck where most of the calves were about three to four weeks old. Then on arrival in Cherbourg The calves were unloaded at that stage and they were given a a milk replacement and taken in for the night. And then after a mandatory rest overnight, the driver headed south, drove through France, crossed the border into Spain before uh, finally arriving at a veal farm quite close to Barcelona. But that was just before 5 o'clock a.m. in the morning. The calves, which had left Wicklow, Two and a half days earlier were finally unloaded after 18 hours on the road with only very, very short uh, breaks. And they were, you know, the RT correspondent was talking about the heat because it was very warm in France and it was very warm in Spain. And you could imagine being inside in one of those trucks all packed in together. And there was like two or three levels uh, on them. So there was very little room overhead. You could imagine uh, just how uncomfortable it must have been for those animals. Now, some of your thoughts in on this. Mara says, hey, wow, that RT Investigates programme last night with some Cork locations included was well worth watching. And it is a perfect example of what RT, of what RT does well. Yeah, and that's what I felt about it when I was watching it last night. Uh, some of your texts uh, in Patricia last night's programme on the baby uh, calves that nobody seems to want it's very evident that climate laws were not in operation uh, since 2008 when the minister made a law I felt to break climate rules and he was calling it sustainability. What does Billy Kelleher think of a farmer having 800 cows? Uh, respect how are you? It runs very deep says this uh, texter Connor says Patricia people ought to be phoning and emailing Stena Ly- ferry company today asking them, how long more are they going to facilitate the transportation of over 200,000 baby calves, calves to veal units? Connor feels they're almost like concentration camps. The conditions are so bad for these little animals. And a final one from Mike who says, Chagas and Irish Cattle Breeding Federation have a lot to be blamed for. When we see the cruelty imposed on calves on our TV screens last night, Jersey cross calves are not suitable for beef. Furthermore, the nitrates directive has fuelled dairy expansion to an utterly unsustainable level of intensification. It's bad for man and bad for beast, not to mention all the slurry and the chemical fertiliser in our water. It's damaging our health and it's damaging the environment. And that comes in from uh, Mike. Maura has a very quick question. Quick question, Trish. Is Kevin Backhurst English, the new uh, DG? Yeah, if you do a quick Google search on his Wikipedia page, he is described as a British journalist and media uh, uh, executive who took over as DG of RTE in July uh, 2023. And, uh, you know, he did work in RTE before he was with uh, News and Current Affairs. He was also the acting uh, DG for a period of time, for about a six month period. Think that was before uh, D Forbes uh, took over. Uh, his last job, though, before he's come to RTE, was he was media policy at the UK regulator Ofcom. He spent a lot of his media career at uh, BBC, uh, producer of various uh, BBC news uh, programmes. And then from 2012 to 2016, he was managing director of news and current affairs at RTE and then he served for a period of um, as director general and, as, and then he's taken over as director general. But yes, he's a, a, he's a, a British journalist is uh, what he's down as in uh, Wikipedia. OK, I'm going to take a very pre- quick break and then we're back speaking with Deputy uh, Christopher O'Sullivan because he is one of the Oroctus members who will be at the Media Committee this afternoon. Broadcaster Ryan Tuberty and his agent Noel Kelly will today befe- appear before two Oroctus Committee hearings this morning. They'll attend the Public Accounts Committee and this afternoon they'll face questions from the Oroctus Media Committee. I'm joined by a member of that Media Committee and that is West Cork uh, Fianna Faldol Deputy uh, Christopher O'Sullivan. Good morning to you, Christopher. Hey Patricia, uh, you're welcome uh, to the program. Uh, firstly, just because this came up yesterday, um, a question from a listener. that so I thought I hadn't really thought about that. Why the need for the two to attend both committees? Will one committee not get all of the answers? Are you just going to be repeating everything this afternoon?
2: Um, not necessarily. First of all, the the two witnesses, uh, Noel Kelly and Ryan Turbide, they offered to meet meet both um, uh, committees. Obviously, pack um has a lot of responsibility in terms of public accounts and public expenditure through state bodies and semi-state bodies etc then our committee which is the media committee is would have would would have oversight over rt uh, in particular the minister uh, who over that committee would be minister catherine martin so there would be um oversight there so both committees have oversight in i suppose different ways and um, i don't see there, there will be a lot of duplication there's no doubt about that but having said that a lot of the documentation that we are going off has just come in at about half eight this morning so i still haven't read the full 39 page submission for example um, from Noel kelly and ryan tuberty i'm still going through it i'd imagine what you'll have is the first three-hour session absolutely they will ask those really burning questions um uh, at the outset of, of mr tuberty and and, and noah kelly But I I can assure you as well that the the second committee, which will be our committee at 3 p.m., we will will have questions that are just as relevant. We may even have um, learned uh, new bits of information from the, uh, the Public Accounts Committee that we'll be able to tease open uh, yeah you may be session. able to
1: get further clarity that's a good point of something that's mentioned uh, this morning by by the way we're hearing the right property and noel kelly will have legal representation is that unusual at a committee meetings
2: it is yeah it's, it's it's quite unusual that that doesn't usually happen now my understanding is that the legal representation doesn't intend to or won't contribute in any way to the um uh, to, to the committee itself uh, won't actually verbally make any statements. I guess the where Noel Kelly and Ryan and are coming from is that they may have to ask advice as to whether or not it's uh, appropriate for them to maybe answer a question. Um no, <laughs> ironically enough, on the other hand, we also have our uh, legal representatives will be there. the um, The office of parliamentary uh, the the legal the legal office essentially that we have access to here. We've just I'm just off a meeting with them actually where they. Kind of go through what you can and can't ask and and, uh, the kind of um, warning against really, I suppose, going outside the scope of what we intended to speak to both witnesses about in the first place. So we will have a bit of legal representation. It is unusual to answer your question for witnesses to have legal representation. I don't personally have any um, major issue with it. I know others on the Public Towns Committee have expressed a concern with it, but because they won't be contributing, um, I don't uh, I, I don't have any personal okay. issue okay. with it really.
1: Okay, are. what are the questions, uh Christopher, that you want answered?
2: Well <laughs> if you asked me this question twenty four hours ago I think it could have been uh different. Um but it's been a bit of an explosive exchange this morning, Patricia, in terms of you have Ryan Tuberty really coming out fighting, saying that this is all of RTE's doing, this is, they they, they made their own mistakes, I've been essentially escaped, goated or, or treated as the face of this whole um, catastrophe, of this whole scandal. Yeah, I think um, he's, he's he, calling it he's,
1: he's, he's the poster boy of the scandal I think is the phrase boy that's, of that's the been scandal used.
2: Feel, feeling very hard done by um, then you have Noel Kelly uh, essentially coming out with a statement blowing RTE's original statement out of the water RTE as you can remember saying that The only person who had full knowledge was the director general d forbes but noel kelly has circulated an email um trail between himself uh, Breed o'keefe and um, d forbes essentially where he's trying to present really that there was knowledge um of the whole idea of underwriting the agreement which is this really controversial part of this agreement the fact that essentially taxpayers and license fee holders uh, gave a guar would there or money would have been involved in the guarantee of the payment, which would originally have been given from Renault. So that's really the crux of this. But he's presented an email saying, you know, it, which has Breed O'Keefe's name on it, which has Rentar, which has. Um, the former director general D Forbes name on it and also has the director of content Jim Jennings which is a name that you'd have heard mm. associated with this whole whole thing as well so they, they've come up with that RTE have had to come up with a counter statement again this morning just this morning saying that they're contesting what uh, Noel Kelly has uh, asserted so this is you know just when we thought maybe this week was where we bring things to to an end and clarification this is going to roll on because you have contesting um, arguments it's it's really has blown things up so for me certainly you ask me what kind of questions I, I, i'll be putting to, to mr tobedee my questions will obviously be tailored and and change because of the statements that we've seen this morning but my you know main question remains the same to mr Toby and i i, I assume we will be asked this in pack as well when he clearly saw that he's um a, payment uh that his salary was under declared by RT um, in uh, early the early part of, of uh, 2023 um, why didn't he um, ask questions why why didn't he why didn't it raise any red flags why didn't he feel the necessity to own up and say hold on a second we owe this to the public there has been an under declaration there he must have known when you're out by uh, figures in, in relation to three hundred forty five thousand. 000 you, you must know and the, se- the second part of that and it is it is related you know, when you see a, a payment, first of all, going into Noel Kelly's UK accounts and then going from Noel Kelly's UK account into your account. And when I say your, I mean Mr. Toberty. Again, why does that not raise raise flags? What's the timeline around that? So although he's coming out fighting this morning, saying that this is all RTE is doing, this is RTE's fault, nothing to see here i i do believe that he owes the country uh, i suppose he, he needs to be more contrite he needs to own up to the fact that he was one of the most well-respected well-liked presenters you know he, people out there the length and breadth of the country who who have fond memories of things like the toy show and the late late show and his radio show who feel really let down by the fact that you know he was aware of this underpayment um and didn't own up to it at the time i think I think we need to see that level of contriteness from Mr. Tobery as well. So yeah, and, and they, they, and I'm, I'm just I'm just jotting down my questions yeah, here now, the, and, and and I'm and, uh, wondering as know, well if any of your listeners have any questions. in yeah, I'm on.
1: wondering as well um, what, what I'd love to know from him, and I, I'd love to hear his opinion on, on this. You can see I've got a copy of the documents as well. I only mean, got them before I came on air this morning, so like you, I just am um, barely, but I was barely able to flick through them before I, I came on air. Uh, but you can clearly see that Noel Kelly is doing what you know any agent will do. He goes in and he's playing hardball. To get as much money as he can for his for his uh, client, but this was at a time when RTE was really struggling. The country was really struggling. We were in the middle of a, a pandemic. Ryan Tuberty would have known that other staff members were being left off. They were being furloughed. They were taking pay cuts. Did he did he not sit down and think? I am very well paid for what I do. I don't need to be paid that much. I certainly don't need to be paid any sort of extra money on the side. Did he not stop and think, for the benefit of the company that has been really really good to him, he's had his entire career with RTE, did he not go in and say, I'll take one for the team I'll actually take a substantial pay cut for the duration of this crisis?
2: This is uh, uh, where I think that Ryan has, has misread the mood, he's misread the public mood and he's misread the room in terms of what the crux of the issue is here in in, in his statement he claims that there are seven untruths um in, in terms of the way rt presented this and let me just read out the the first one which is related to the pay cut he's saying that um the 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 claim from rt is the claim that i did not take a pay cut from rt in 2020 he says this is not true he said i took a 20% pay cut from rt in my 2020 to 2025 contract um that's it. I took a 20% pay cut from RT. I'm obliged to do 205 radio shows and 38 live two hour shows. So he, and then he, he goes on further to say, just to be clear, I took a pay cut from RT of 20% um, for each of the five years of my contract at a cost of 525,000 euro to me over the length of the, that contract. Okay. So fair enough. What he's trying to do here is clarify this idea that's been put out there that he, he didn't take a, a pay cut. But even in outlining that, and you, you mentioned it there, even outlining that, he's basically outlining these ludicrous sums of money that we're talking about, 525,000 euro. I think he's missed yeah. the, the, the the mood here. He's missed the, the, the fact of the matter is people are annoyed at the, the, the crazy amounts that we're talking about, Um, you know, and they're annoyed at the fact that, you know, he's not more contrite that he didn't. Pick up on this underdeclaration. The first place he didn't ask questions and he didn't say, "Hold on a second, guys, there's something wrong here. We need to, we need, we need to, to, to own up to this." So, um, you know, he, he's talking about taking the 20% pay cut, but this, this, this underwriting, this guaranteeing of the payment that went into Noel Kelly's UK account and then went to Mr. Tuggery's account. Why isn't anyone, you know, why hasn't he referred to that in his opening statement? So there's, there's a lot more to come yeah, to this. Yeah. this the there, new I, I the,
1: the new director uh, general Kevin Backhurst took up his. Uh, position uh yesterday uh christopher i don't know how much you got to see of him on on the new the various news uh, programs yesterday are you impressed with him
2: he's saying the right things he's certainly saying the right things and he's he's uh, i thought it was impressive move to move to stand down uh, the entire board and um, you know you've seen the uh, uh, You've seen retirements from uh, Rory Coveney, who was head of strategy and 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 in charge of the whole toy show debacle. You've also seen a retirement, an early retirement from uh, Geraldine O'Leary, who was clearly um, heav- heavily involved as well in terms of raising those invoices. So, I think conversations have clearly been had, and he stood on the whole board. Now, there are still some of the existing names from the old executive board involved in his new reconstitution which would be adrian uh, lynch who would have been one of the main witnesses i guess kind of almost led the witnesses in terms of previous eractus um statement so far so i'm impressed what he's saying he's talking about transparency he's talking about publishing a a list of um a a register of of interests of, of the of the top earners he's talking about publishing all of the top earners salaries including the executive board so I think he's certainly is as, as the term I used earlier he's reading the room better he understands the public anger he understands what the public are looking for I would question the statement this morning from RT in retort to Noel Kelly's uh, statement in that I think he should have maybe taken a bit of time for things to play out here because the document that documents that I have in front of me here clearly there is an email from uh, Noel Kelly to um Breed O'Keefe and uh, the former director general D Forbes copying in uh, Jim Jennings, which clearly outlines the the um, whole idea of the underwriting of this contract. So mm-hmm. there clearly was knowledge there. So I, I wonder how, but look, certainly it's early doors. I know he's in Pack on Thursday, so there'll be further time to kind of tease this out. Okay. He's saying the right things, and he, and he has the benefit of hindsight, of course. He's seen how all of this has played out, and he knows now that the public will not condone or will not... Um, give any uh, time for any more of this lack of transparency, this concealment, this trying to hide uh, secret payments he's aware of that so I think he's going in there with the benefit of hindsight but I'm happy okay. enough that I'm here so far
1: okay listen good luck with it uh, today and before I let you go where they say all politics is local Heidi is on St so, Patricia as you've got Christopher on the line we you ask him about overgrown hedges that we have in West Cork Heidi had contacted us yesterday and it sent on photographs in Cora it's the Barna Townsland she also said she emailed the photographs on to you uh, the road I have to say the photographs the hedgerows on either side are almost meeting uh, in the middle um, is is that the landowner's responsibility?
2: The first thing I'm going to do is get straight onto my email and look at Breeda's images that she sent me. And, and Heidi get back to her. Heidi's images. Obviously, Heidi. Sorry, sorry, Heidi. Um, there. Um, obviously, at the moment there is a ban on on hedge cutting. Uh, there's the, the under the uh, Wildlife Act and the Heritage Act. There's no hedge cutting is allowed to take place until I think it's the first of September. Is is is, is that date? Um, Now, having said that, there are exceptions where it seems to be dangerous, where it's on dangerous bends, where it's in dangerous junction, where it seems to be posing a a, a risk to public health. Then obviously um, the local authority in that case can step in. Their first port of call is you're absolutely right to write to the landowner, because um, many years ago, The local authority seems to have a change of heart in terms of who are responsible. I think when money became short, they put the onus back on the landowner. But certainly, Heidi, I can assure you we'll get straight back to you on that. And and if if it is uh, posing a, a public health hazard, then um, the local authority will be contacted straight away by us. Okay, uh, well let let you go. You have a busy
1: day ahead, uh, Christopher. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Hi, Patricia. I listened to Kevin Backhurst on the news yesterday evening when questioned. He stated that he was not in favour of pay caps. And when he said that, in inverted comment, talent is worth the value it brings to RTE, that just put me right off him. Now, according to figures obtained by the Social Democrats, there's been an increase in the number of people with diabetes who've had to undergo a full or partial lower limb amputation. And this comes amid ongoing delays in accessing a HSC podiatry community service. To discuss the issue I'm joined by Louise McHugh. Now Louise is a senior podiatrist with diabetes at Ireland. Good morning to you, Louise. Good morning. And I really appreciate you taking time out because John Paul tells me how busy you are. It's literally a slot in your day that you've given to us. So I, I really do appreciate no that. Now what are the main reasons uh, for Um, a diabetes related
3: amputation? So I suppose um, just to start off there, um, people with diabetes um, have good reasons to take care of their feet Um, so I suppose long term um, high blood glucose levels um, can damage um, their circulation and the feeling to the feet so this means um, protective sensation is reduced so little things like a cut um, or a sore might go unnoticed and then in turn it might be difficult for this um, kind of cut or sore to heal up I suppose that's a brief overview of the main um, reasons for
1: Uh, issues occurring. And is it type 1 and type 2 diabetes?
3: Yeah, type 1 and type 2. I suppose I'm asked a lot on clinic. People um, presume it's just a type 2 issue, but the complications are the same for type 1 and type 2. Um,
1: and, and in an ideal world, how often should a person with diabetes be seen by a podiatrist?
3: Yeah, so we recommend um, a yearly annual review, so um, a yearly assessment. Um, but I suppose based on the results of this, um, some patients would come in to me now every 6 to 12 weeks based on their risk factors, like the loss of feeling or the reduced blood flow.
1: And is this what's happening around the country? People are just not getting access to a podiatrist?
3: Yes. Yeah. That's the main issue, yeah, reduced access. Um, I suppose the HFCC have set up um, these primary care hubs in the community. Yeah. Um, but there is issues regarding fully staffing these.
1: Um,
3: so I suppose with Diabetes Ireland, um, we're based here in Dublin and Cork, we set up a podiatry service to kind of combat this, um, to help people gain access, to have their annual reviews and assessments done.
1: But obviously you can only see so many patients.
3: Exactly, yeah. Yeah, a huge problem. And Louise,
1: is there anything that people can do themselves to stop ending up with these serious problems?
3: Absolutely. So um, we always give these kind of common foot care advice. So like that, checking your feet every day for um, obviously small cuts, or changes in skin colour and temperature, um, simple things like making sure your shoes is adequate width and depth, um, and like that, not walking barefoot at home um, to reduce the risk of trauma to your feet. Um, I suppose your diabetes management does come into play as well, um because minding your blood sugars prevents these complications from occurring as well, and um, so it 's kind of whole holistic management as well
1: yeah and I'm, it's, it's, and to lose a limb, louise has got to be just devastating
3: yeah it 's terrible like on your obviously your quality of life um like your your feet or your tires, like your tires on a carriage, you know, it's yeah. your mobility, it's your access, um, loss of income, things like that. A lot of kind of wider issues feed into it.
1: Okay. And are there I'm assuming there's private podiatrists around the country that people who can afford it. Absolutely.
4: Access?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um and I suppose it's worth noting as well, um, a lot of the GPs and practice nurses would be undertaking these assessments um as part of their kind Of checkups as well,
1: yeah. So, um, you, so it
3: doesn't necessarily have to be um, a podiatrist to do these checks. Uh, a lot of the GP practice nurses and the GPs undertake these as well. Okay,
1: all right, listen, I'll let you get back to the work that you're <laughs> yeah. doing. Thanks a million, <laughs> Thank Louise. So, bye, Thanks. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Uh, bye bye. I'm very conscious of that girl's time. That is Louise McHugh, senior podiatrist uh, with uh, Diabetes Ireland, and uh, as I say, it was. Roisin Shortall who who got the figures the number of people with diabetes who under who underwent a full or partial lower limb amputation last year, increased to 671. And that was up from 645 the uh, previous year. And, and as I say, to to have to lose uh, a limb because of complication from uh, diabetes, I mean, the burden that it would put on the individual, onto their families and indeed onto the, the health and social care uh, system uh, is crazy. And it looks like we just need more podiatrists and we need more podiatrists working working out in the community under the HSC but to anyone. But it is for type 1 and type 2 diabetes because I was always of the belief... I knew knew there was an issue with people having a foot issue when they had diabetes but I thought it was not all to do with people with type 1 uh, diabetes and of course unfortunately more and more people are being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes so they also need to be uh, very careful and keep uh, an eye on their foot care and uh, make sure that everything is uh, okay so check in with your GP but if you can get to a podiatrist at least once a year it's looking like that is uh, the, the very important thing. Uh, 103 103. Some texts coming in following my chat with uh, Christopher O'Sullivan. Uh, somebody says, Patricia, why would it make any difference to Ryan Tuberty what account he got paid out from? As long as he got paid, whether it came from a barter account or whether it came directly from RTE's account, what difference does it make? He just wants to see the money landing in his bank account. And John says, Patricia, Ryan Tuberty, all always said throughout the COVID pandemic, we should all stick together and we're all in this together. Now, says John, the people need to stick together again. John's suggestion is don't pay the TV licence or allow taxpayers' money to be used to top up RTE. Uh, It's time to pull the plug. The majority of people don't want RTE anymore. We're sickened uh, with this, and it it will it has been going on as long as uh, COVID. I, and I get that point, John, and I get how annoyed people are. But I go back to the other issue we're discussing today on the program, and that's the RTE Investigates program that was on last night. I mean, is that not public service broadcasting at its very, very best? And if we didn't have a public service broadcaster, we wouldn't have the funding to be able to do an undercover operation like that. I think that undercover operation. On for about six months and the, certainly the independent sector wouldn't have that kind of money to be able to invest in an undercover operation like that. So we've got to be very careful that when we're given out about RTE and we're given out what's rotten about uh, RTE that we don't throw the baby out with uh, the bathwater. I think what's most important and hopefully what will come out from all of this is RTE getting their, their funding and public uh, funding but it's how that money is spent and I I think for us as a society and for us as a people who pay our television licences for us, for it to be seen that the money that we're handing over that goes into RTE, that it's not squandered. I think it's the squandering of of money and the overpaying of people. I think that's what has really, really annoyed so many people. Oh, eight, one, eight, one, oh, three, one, oh, three. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 862 103 103. and I've just spotted the date as the 11th of July which means tomorrow is the 12th of July 12th of July we know it's a big day up north but it's also a big day in a certain part of a North Cork because the 12th of July is officially the day when carami Horse fair is held. It doesn't get organised. People just turn up on the 12th of July onto the streets of Butterworth. And with that in mind, obviously, there is road uh, closures in uh, place. And to facilitate the smooth movement of uh, traffic, the Gardi have been on uh, to talk about the diversions that are in place on the N20. Now, they actually, the diversions kicked in this morning. They're in place now and they will remain in place for the rest of today and obviously for tomorrow for Karamee Day itself and it is the usual diversions in place northbound uh, traffic you divert at New Two House and then you go via Donnerail returning to the N20 at Lispalli Hay and that way you avoid uh, Butterfint and southbound you just do it in reverse you divert at Lispalli Hay via Donnerail and then come back out onto the N20 at New Two House you don't go near uh, Butterfint unless you want to attend uh, Caramy and that is happening tomorrow Joe on to John Paul said yesterday Kevin Back was asked about Marty Morrissey poor Marty and his, his car he's drive for five and he said that he would have to step back and rec- recuse himself from looking into what Marty Morrissey was involved with the reason for it was he is a friend of Marty Morrissey but why should he step back just because he's a friend of Marty at the end of the day he's now the boss of RTE and that should not come into it it's not a friendship club at the end of the day so Joe. Thought he was wrong to accuse himself from looking into what has happened with Marty Morrissey and his free car from Renault for the last five years. 0818103103. Let's take a break. We have news at 11 on the way, and in the next hour, uh, we will be speaking in more detail about the RTE Investigates programme, milking it. Dairy's Dirty Secret.
4: Court today on C103.
0: With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. Cmig.ie.
1: Now I can see a lot of commentary uh, coming in on the RT Investigates programme last night on the dairy industry and the treatment of young uh, calves. Uh, But before I go to some of those commentaries, I want to go to the phone line because uh, Finbar in Mallow was listening with great interest to Louise Mc Q, who joined us in the last hour? Who is a podiatrist with the Diabetes uh, Association of Ireland? Good morning, Chief Fimber.
5: Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm.
1: I'm. I'm very good. Uh, you found yourself in a position that you needed a podiatrist.
5: Yes, I'm. Um, I'm a type one diabetic, uh, Patricia. Okay. You know? and um, uh, I was diagnosed in 2017, but I was I started getting neuropathy and stuff in my hands and my feet.
1: And no, th- no, sorry. That's the the numbness. Is it, that they told? Yeah, that she spoke about Yeah, bad,
5: no, very bad neuropathy. Okay, and, and problems with my toenails and stuff. Do you know? Yeah. And um, no, I've been on a waiting list to see the doctor for the last four years. I was referred the fourth of April, two thousand and nineteen, and I still haven't been seen. I'm 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 up and down to my indoctrinal eyes every three months. I raised the issue with him on several occasions. Eventually, the last appointment I had, I went to see the podiatrist in the South Infirmary in Cork. She told me, she said, she's too busy, she can't see me. And like, Patricia, I, like, my toes, my toenails and, and my feet are giving me severe troubles, you know. Um, now, hang on, did you get an
1: appointment with the podiatrist in the South Infirmary, did you say? I, I did, yeah. Yeah. And she said, she initially assessed you, was it? She assessed me, yeah. yeah. And said, and one, I'm too big. I need... She to, said, I
5: have, a, I have a full book of clients. She said, I I'm ran off my feet. But she did the assessment. She did the assessment. She said she was going to write to Malabrine Healthcare Centre again. She said, probably, she said, what's after happening? She said, you're so long in the waiting, list, after getting about you. That's <sighs> not good enough, do you know
1: absolutely it's not it's it's not good it's not like, good enough
5: I tell you Patricia that like my my two big toes I'm afraid I'm going to lose them do you know I can get nozzlels on my leg and i'm just i also on my skin i i I just don't know what i'm going to do, do you know can you g- can
1: you can you afford to go privately Finbar?
5: no 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 now, Patricia I tell you there's a girl in mala uh she's in Ballyclaw. And only for her, I'd be in serious trouble. She comes and she does the pulses in my feet. Her name is Pauline McSweeney, Malahfucia. She's only a, she's,
1: a shir- she's a she's a
5: chiropodist, is it? She's a chiropodist. Okay. Only for her, I tell you, I'd be in serious, serious trouble. She does the calluses on my feet and everything. I've been serious trouble on it, Yeah, so no.
1: because this this report that I was uh, was talking about, you know, was talking about people with uh, unhealed ulcers and foot infections, and yes. that's the leading cause of a diabetic-related amputation. So you have to make sure that you don't get a foot infection, that you don't get an unhealed ulcer. I mean, bless your heart, you do seem you're you're being proactive. At least you're going to a chiropodist, but yeah. but but you need you need a podiatrist.
5: Yes, and I, I like, and like Pauline has taught me, like I need to get my two big toenails um, removed because there's nail caught underneath the skin and everything i mean in desperate pain with them, do you know. Can your own and is your own GP able to help you in any way? He's sent letters to, um, to to the podiatry services and everything, and 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 I've heard nothing, Patricia. Yeah, I, I was I, talking I
6: mean, that
5: girl the other day, and she was she was a year on the list, and she got an appointment. I'm four years and and like nobody's seen me. Yeah, four do, years and I'm a type one diabetic.
1: It does sound like you've been lost somewhere in the system because I know funding has been secured to set up these uh, about thirty specialist uh, hubs, uh, you know, around the around uh, the country that will be staffed by podi- by podiatrists and dietitians. But you know, we hear about these things, or oh, funding is available, or oh, we're trying to set it up, uh, and then they, they just never never seem to get set up, or they take for ages to get set up.
5: Like my main worry, Patricia, is I had an uncle and, and my grandfather; he, they lost limbs, you know. Yeah. And um, like my uncle had type one, he type one diabetes. It's in the
1: family. It's in the family.
5: Yes, and yeah. like, uh, like that's my main worry, you know. Yeah. Like I'm in desperate pain, with my big toes, you know. It's shocking. And
1: it's just, it, it is shocking. Have you gone like, to any public representatives to see if they can?
5: i raised it. I've raised it. I was, I was on the phone again last night raising it with another. Um, person and like I have an ulcer on my leg at the moment starting and like I'm just I'm just so fed up, do you know?
1: I know, I know.
5: Like it... I even told the endocrinologist the other day, if the podiatry don't see me, I I I stop going to like why why drive up the cock? Waste the time, do you know what I mean? Why drive up the cock to see an endocrinologist and they know nothing for me. Have
1: then, have you made contact with diabetes Ireland? No because Louise who spoke to me the, the podiatrist and bless her heart she had a 10 minute slot in her day where she slotted us in to do the interview because she's that busy you now she's out of Dublin but she did say that they run they, 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 they run a service out of Cork as well and it's, it's run by the Diabetes Ireland because they're aware I mean they're raising this issue and you know they're recommending for people with diabetes to have an annual foot assessment to identify any problems right, I, would, right, right. I would suggest trying to get on to them Maybe they might be able to sort you out. Yeah,
5: like in like in Pauline taught me, like like I should be seen every twelve months to check yeah. the neuropathy in my feet, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. the blood flow, you know.
1: Yeah, that's well, that's exactly what Diabetes Ireland are, are recommending. Get on to Diabetes Ireland Fimbar and see how you get on. Yeah, and I might in get the meantime, the off of
5: John Paul
1: yeah, there. I, yeah, I, I I will I'll get John Paul to get it for you, and and in the meantime, keep. Har- I don't harassing is the wrong word but keep on to the HSE uh, and yeah. point out that you're four years and point out that it's on it, it feels like you've been forgotten about uh, alright and we'll keep in contact you. with you uh, Finbar uh, thanks for that uh, John Paul I'll put Finbar back on, uh, out to you there and you might be able to sort him out with the contact details for uh, Diabetes Ireland but that's, that is shocking and there's somebody who is desperately trying to, you know, look after his feet because he knows how important uh, it is. 0818 uh, 103 103. Let me just take a look at some of the commentary coming in about the programme uh, last night. Eilish in Dunamore. Uh, I was disgusted to see what was done to those poor animals last night. I, le- I would lend my support to any campaign that might be starting up. All animals need our support. But as a livestock farmer, all generations would be horrified past and uh, present and and then Timmy was on to say uh, picking me up when I said there was no water available to the calves on the truck well I thought that that's what the programme was suggesting that there was no water and no food available Uh, Timmy wants to dispute that he said there is a mixture of water and glucose with feeding nipples available to the calves there are coolers inside in those trailers too also there is airflow through the carriages that's the reason that they keep driving it's because it brings air into the carriages and it keeps them cool if you stop on a warm day you too would feel the heat in any transport mode so it's wise to keep driving Uh, but Timmy isn't the advice that you've got to rest the calves was it after 12 hours and that after so many hours you've got to stop and check I mean what was was shown last night was even though the driver was stopping for coffee he wasn't in any way checking on uh, the calves and he'd gone over the 12 hours that was recommended to take the calves off and give them a little bit of uh, a break and again Listen, not every single truck driver who's transporting calves is doing it the wrong way. There are many, many out there who are good, decent people, and who are looking after uh, the uh, the animals. Bill in Clonakilty says the root of the problem was Simon Coveney. Bill feels he voted in the EU Parliament to expand the Irish herd as the ideal was as the deal was going through for milk powder to be supplied to China. However, according to Bill that never went ahead but because of this farmers still expanded farmers are now using extra electricity extra energy etc and there is a knock on effect if the quota was left as it was we would have less emissions today we wouldn't be having these problems with the calves and Ireland would work away uh, fine. But did you see that uh, stat I I I don't know what that deal with China that you're talking about um, Bill, but did you see that statistic last night that we produce 10% of the world's milk powder is produced in Ireland? I mean, when you think of the tiny country we are and the amount of milk powder we produce, it really is phenomenal. I mean, they were talking at the time of it being liquid gold and it certainly was uh, for many, but there are problems associated with it. Heidi says, Patricia, most farmers are really caring for their animals. It's just a few that uh, treat them badly. Uh, these little baby animals have feelings, they feel pain, they feel thirst, they feel hunger. And can I say they miss their mothers as well? Sorry. And the thing we feel, uh, and the thing we feel when we're hurt or ill-treated, they're feeling that too. So bad to hear this. Please God, these people will start to think before they act like that again in the uh, future. Hi, Patricia, regarding the treatment of the calves. It's been happening all of the time. The farming bodies just seem to turn a blind eye. They are there to keep the wheel spinning for the meat processors and the likes of Mr Goodman. There are a lot of people with land and animals that will never make farmers. We need more spot checks on farms. They are only in it for profit, by the way. All my family are farmers and they have nothing but compassion for animals. Uh, thank you for that, Elizabeth says. Patricia, oh my God, the RT Investigates programme last night very well done to RTE and the investigative journalists, but it was so distressing. My eyes kept welling uh, up. Stricter laws needed to be brought in. Would the lorry driver like to be locked in that packed lorry for 18 and a half hours with no water, no food or no care of attention? I'm still so upset this morning over those poor little calves. And that's from Elizabeth. And hi, Patricia. I totally agree with the Ill, what was shocking about the ill treatment of the little calves. But cutting our national herd is totally ridiculous. What about the cattle that they intend to import then? It doesn't make sense. We have the most beautiful meat in the world. And another thing, what about the fumes from the war in Ukraine and the fumes from aeroplanes? Ireland can't save the whole world. Every country has to do their bit. And Ireland is doing their best, if not more. If the farmers go, guess what? we have no food the fishing industry is gone all our natural resources are being sold off it's terrible because we could be a sufficient little island and just let me bring you one more this is Dermot who is a dairy farmer and it's great to hear from people within the industry who says as a dairy farmer I was disgusted watching the programme last night. As I see it, Chagas have a lot to answer for because they encouraged all of the dairy farmers to increase their cow numbers. But they didn't bother coming up with a plan of how to deal with all of the extra bull calves that would arrive every spring. It really annoys me when I hear people say that the Friesian bull calf is worthless because... I rear all my bull calves until 20 months of age. They always return a good profit. Most of the dairy farmers who did rear bull calves don't now. Why? Because of the extra cows they have. They should not be allowed to move calves off the farm until they are four weeks old and strong enough to take the rough and tumble I've been taken to March and that comes in from Dermot. Just a sample of some of the calls and comments coming into us this morning. 0818 103
4: 103 C103 Jobs
1: Shuttle carpenters are wanted it's for an immediate start, it's for a project in the Kinsale uh, area uh, contact 086 0485589 Preschool assistant is wanted part-time in Newsestown in Bandon Now you need to FITEC Level 6 You email your CV to littlevillage 1313 at, at gmail.com Aldi are hold, holding a recruitment open day It's on this day week Tuesday the 18th of July from 3 pm to 7 pm in the Carrigaline Court Hotel. Candidates are asked to bring along a CV with them on the day. You can also apply online if you can't turn up to the open day at Aldi And the Donkey Sanctuary in Luscarral, they've got a vacancy for a visitor experience assistant. Email joanne.nevin at thedonkeysanctuary.ie You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court
4: today on C103.
0: With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. C-M-I-G There's
1: a lot of commentary coming in on Ryan Tuberty. I'm trying to hold off on that until uh, later. Hi Patricia, in relation to Primetime Investigates aired last night. I really think there's an agenda for certain individuals within RTE and I feel this agenda is anti-farming. I am a dairy farmer and I sell my calves at Bandon Mart. The Mart was invested considerably in the care of stock while on its premises and went to great lengths and they go to great lengths to ensure that cattle are well looked after. If live export is stopped, you're going to have a lot of problems and animal welfare within this country. I was never in favour of the rapid dairy expansion and a free for all in milk production. On the last day of the dairy quotas, I was found 16 euro, and the next day I was been asked by my co-op how much more milk will I supply and to sign a contract with Chagas and, the, uh, uh, and to sign a contract. Uh, Chagas and the department have a lot to answer for and that's somebody who is a, a dairy uh, farmer and as I say we are continuing to get calls uh, in as the fallout continues from the RT Investigates uh, programme last night. Now Harold Kingston, outgoing Munster Regional Chair of the IFA and of course a former dairy farmer uh, joins me. Good morning, to Harold.
7: Good morning, Patricia.
1: And, and you're welcome to the program. I suppose the obvious question: Your reaction when you watched the program last night?
7: Yeah, I suppose. Like uh, we've we, we've seen a lot of promos and, and been tipped off as to as to what was likely to be coming from seeing the promos, but it was still shocking when when you see uh, some of the stuff that was happening. Um, and like, look, it's a, a clear breach of of regulation. Um, you know, there's there's regulations there. To do with with animal welfare, um, there's obviously also, you know, just as as, as a farmer, there, there's 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 the right way to treat animals, even besides regulation alone. Um, and and to see some of the stuff that was happening, yeah, it shouldn't be happening, and it needs to be investigated. Uh, and I'm delighted to to see that the Department of Agriculture uh, has has announced a full investigation. Um also interested though and, and disappointed in a way that that's um the footage wasn't shared with with the Department of Agriculture ahead of the program um likewise the the maths that were being implicated hadn't actually seen the footage either um which which is disappointing because the, the key thing for for me in in all situations like this where there is an animal welfare situation like you know on my farm, the Department of Agriculture can literally just walk into the farm. Uh, and announce themselves as being there for to do an animal welfare inspection. Um, you know, if somebody sees something that is clearly breaching regulations, then it needs to be called out straight away. And that is the one, one thing that I would have a slight worry about in terms of some of these types of investigations. Um, you know, fair enough, you might need to, to put a, a, a few things together, but sitting on it in order to generate a programme isn't really helpful for animal welfare either.
1: Do you feel it is the minority rather than the majority?
7: Well, that was even stated on the program last night. Um, I think there was, I don't know have the exact words in front of me here now, but I, I think there was about 10 or 15 seconds there where uh, Fran McNulty would have said that uh, the vast majority of the time they were watching animals being treated uh, properly, um, but these were the incidences where they saw they weren't. So, you know, the vast majority of the times, and like, look, sir, sure, I. I as 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 you know from a previous interview I did here on this on this programme, um I, I, I sold my, my dairy herd through Bandenmarks and yeah. I, I can only be full of praise for the way that um that they treated my animals on the day, um, from the management to the staff to everybody all the way through um and, and you know, it, I I'd have no complaints whatsoever, zero problems with it. Um but zero tolerance is is, is also where, where I stand in terms of when there is mistreatment of, of animals and that has to be the way for for all of us as as farmers and, and, and IFA members, you know, um if there's mistreatment of animals and if there's a clear breach of regulations then it needs to be um needs to be uh, treated very seriously and, and very quickly. Uh, And and I hope that's what the Department of Agriculture does straight away.
1: But, you know, we are known the world over for our grass fed cows, you know, and we're known to produce the best milk and the best butter. But what a number of people and what the programme pointed out last night was the way we have expanded. I mean, are we simply in danger of just producing too many dairy calves?
7: Well, the, the thing about expansion is that um, we have a similar number of dairy cows now to 1984, which was just as the quotas were starting. So, while while it might appear to be a very rapid expansion since quotas went in 2015, all we've done is is, is get back to where we were in terms of numbers. Um, part of the the difference now, definitely since um, since back in, in the 80s, is that we're we're calving cows in a much shorter period of time. So, so that, that poses problems from one side in terms of that you need better facilities and I've, I've put in that better facilities for, for managing calves and most, most farmers would have done that, um, you know, in terms of the, the, the animals are coming more quickly. But that, um, given that I'm, I'm now doing, most of what, what, what I'm doing on the farm now is actually rearing calves, um, having calves born in a short period of time makes it much easier to actually manage that bunch of calves afterwards because they're of an even size and an even age group and an even bunch so while it, there might be a difficulty in the short term just physically infrastructure and managing numbers of calves um it it does actually mean that you have a have a healthier and and better managed bunch of of animals and it is about actually you know you mentioned about our grass fed that's the reason why we're calving in a in a much shorter period now is it to make full use of that grass uh, and, and our, our, our international markets and, and customers actually understand that and value that, that we are actually specifically targeting our breeding uh, in order to make sure that we make best use of grass rather than having animals indoors.
1: But this exporting of, was the figures, I mean, like 200,000 calves mm. are exported every year out to, to veal producers in, in mainland Europe. Why can't we produce veal in this country?
7: Partly because of the fact that we don't have a year-round supply of calves for for to have that veal market. So you're going to have 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 a lot of calves going into a veal market in a short period, and then all of a sudden you've you've nothing for the rest of the time because veal is is um, is up up to eight months or or, or whatever um, and and fed on milk and so on. So it's it's a it's a different system, and and we wouldn't have the supply of calves here. Whereas when, when we look at it on a, on a constant basis, they actually highly value the Irish calves.
8: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
7: They come in actually at, at a much um, much higher le- level of disease resistance and so on um, because of the way that, that, that we've you know managed the calves up to that point. Um, and it, it works into their system uh, to have that particular market. And, and the reality here, you know, it, it, it's about transporting calves to a, to a market. It's, it, it, you know, just because we're on an island doesn't mean that that's, you know, as part of Europe, that we shouldn't be allowed to, um, to access that particular market as well. Um, obviously, it needs to be done properly, um, as the program pointed out um there last night there was a breaching in regulations on the on the truck that they followed. Interestingly enough, um from looking at the program I think they were actually Angus calves as opposed to um Frisian bull calves um going, going to Spain in that particular yeah. truck. Um so so like it's it's not it's not just purely the, 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 the Frisian bull that's that's exported. There's there's some of the more more valuable animals exported as well for particular markets. Um the Dutch would be taking a lot, a lot of the Frisians, and then you'd have, have the Spanish taking taking some of the, the and generally speaking, older animals as well. Um, in terms of the Anguses. Um we saw Charolais, we saw different different breeds um, last night. Very few actual Frisians uh, in terms of the, the transport. But look, it, it, it's it's about you know it, it it was very much pointed out in in the program that it was it was actually the the regulations were being breached in in that particular lorry that they that they followed and. You know, that, that I understand is also subject of an investigation right now. Um, from 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 the transport side of it as well, which a lot uh, of farmers
1: certainly don't. contacting us this morning are happy about. They're happy to see call out the oh, rogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
7: yeah absolutely. The, like like, look, the you know the the regulations are there. You know, the same same as looks speeding through a village or whatever. You know, like like uh, we we might curse the <laughs> the the, the vans watching the season. but, but like it keeps us all for, safer. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. But but
1: but what about? And 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 we watched it um, last night. The times of the year. Where farmers can't even give a calf away. I think at one stage they couldn't even get a euro uh, for, for a calf. How often does that happen?
7: It, it, it's the, the, the reality of, of beef production and, and even, even actually when you think about it in some cases the, the actual dairy freezing calf hitting, hitting the ground um, is worth very little at that point because all the expense in terms of producing the animal comes from there on. So it can appear to be this, you know, look, it was quoted several times, and I've I've heard politicians quoting this thing as well about, you know, the, the, the workless calf or the workless animal. It's not workless, it just happens to be cheap. Um, and that's, that's, unfortunately, the reality of, of food production in terms of whether it's veg, whether it's calves, whether it's um, the litre of milk at the moment. Um, farmers aren't being paid properly for their produce. Um, that's that's nothing to do with with um, a glut of calves at a particular time. It, it's purely to do with with the the, the reality of of, uh, of producing from a farmer's pr- point of view. That um, at, at the initial um, birth of the calf, it's actually from there on that the value of the the animal increases. Uh, and and I think it's it's obvious as well if you if you watch closely on on the. Um, on on the video they had of the those sales, it was it was smaller calves that really shouldn't have been in the market at all. Um, were were the ones that were making that. Uh, generally speaking, calves it's it, it's not. There's there's age limits and there's different things in terms of of exporting and in terms of selling calves. But the reality is that it's it's until the calf hits fifty kilos live weight. Uh, that's where, where they should be marketed really So
1: the farmers were at fault yeah, there they yeah, shouldn't it, have it sent should, them yeah, to the market Yeah, they shouldn't
7: have sent those, those, those calves and they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're few and far between but the odd one turns up and they're the ones you remember um, Okay, so, now so, a yeah, number, number
1: of people including John in Whitechurch says surely the simple solution is you either export the calves and do it properly or put them down at birth Is that an option?
7: And I, and I heard, and, and I'd be a friend of, of the predictor vet that was interviewed last night, and he had that comment as well. Like, look, yes, the, the, the export property is, is crucial, and one of the things, actually, that wasn't really point, uh, pointed out fully last night um, on in terms of the export and the conditions of export is, is that the, um, the the sailing that they were on was, was quite calm. There is a specific, I think it's the 2.5 metre swell or something like that, there's this particular... Um, uh, forecasts of swell where they're not allowed to transport humans are fine. You can transport away humans. That's no problem. But cows, there's a, there's a limit to it. In terms of the the shooting at birth, this con- I, I sold my cows. Okay, yeah. I, I I sold them in the market to other dairy farmers to continue to produce milk. And there is currently a certain amount to talk about a, a cow cull scheme and so on and 200,000 cows to be culled in order to hit climate targets. And if I was to qualify for that scheme, then I would have to send those cattle, th- those cows to a meat factory. Now, I have nothing against sending animals to a meat factory. Obviously, that's where we get beef. But a productive animal, a perfectly healthy animal has a sense of purpose and shooting them when they hit the ground um no it's not in my nature and i would think the vast majority of farmers it's, would it's find not that in your very nature, hard or, yeah. yeah it's 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 not a solution um you know i i think we'd be far better off to actually work on making sure that we produce and and farmers need to take responsibility on, the, on this and it's not just dairy farmers as beef farmers as every everyone you know you produce a product that is suitable for for sale and suitable for for production um, there, the you know the the use of of genetics, the use of um, I I used sex semen out this year, and I meant that I, I had only a handful of of bull calves. Does it was, that work? Does was,
1: that? I heard Paula Hines talking about that uh, last night. Yeah, so it works. That, that works. So you you only produce? It, it,
7: the, yeah, it it it's a ninety percent success All rate right, in okay. terms of All of, right. of, of get, But it's more get expensive. It's it's twice the cost. And there's a bit more work involved in okay. it as well in terms of it, right. it's a damaged right. product. So there's a bit more work. Just now. one
1: yeah. one final point. Uh, somebody is saying, uh, uh, while there was a great program last night and all of that, why don't they start investigating the beef that's brought in from Brazil? Do we know what's going on in Brazil?
7: Well, we 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 know a certain amount of what's going on in Brazil, but that um, you know, look, I I think it's 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 purely a case of let's let's have a, a level playing pitch for people um so if if there's if there's food whether it 's beef whether it's um potatoes <laughs> carrots, whatever it is that's coming in um you know it needs to be produced on a level playing pitch and that um, that we're able to compete and and I'd be saying the same thing there's a lot of people. With with you know the usual suspects have have the calls out today and and some people trying to make political hay out of this as well in terms of of um, of of dairy production and calf production and so on, you know look it, it, we're part of European Union we 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 need to be able to you know the vast majority of our our our, our Food produced in this country that that is exported actually goes into into the European Union, and we need to make sure that that as European Union members we have a right to that market, and it needs to be maintained, and it needs to be properly uh, policed as well. Uh, and and look, we need to get, see these investigations that have been launched, whether it's the transport ones or the Department of Agriculture ones, they need to be fast. And they and, and they need to to, to start out any, any yeah. problem. We, we,
1: we need to end this animal cruelty, plain and simple. Just very oh, finally, oh, How is the? I kind of. I, I do want to use the word retirement. The semi-retirement <laughs> how, how is life going <laughs> since you sold it, all your cattle?
7: It's a it's a change change in lifestyle. I haven't sold all my animals. I still have have some Friesian heifers and, and um that are being put in calf, and and the, and the Friesian heifer calves are on the place. And I have some animals that I'm minding, some beef animals. I put up a picture up there last night uh, that I'm minding for someone as well. Uh, and I've been doing a good bit of tractor work. Um, so I've been driving it's, a rate for a long time. It's far as well. from
1: retirement is what you're saying Oh
7: it's far, far from, from retirement all believe, right. me, believe me Alright we'll <laughs> speak
1: again Harold in the meantime thank you all for right. that and uh, yeah. thanks uh, for joining us that is uh, Harold Kingston of uh, Court Mac Eddie and Oven says I hope Fran McNulty who was the reporter on the RT Investigates programme last night I hope he returned his Renault car before he returned from France
0: Court Today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's Macroom, McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Insurance group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to.
1: Now, migrating Swifts arriving on the final leg of what is a mammoth journey from Southern Africa to Ballyvourney in West Cork have been provided with new accommodation. And it's been built especially for them to chat about this nest box project in Ballyvourney. I'm joined by the man who spearheaded it, and that's bird expert from Cork City, Noel Lenehan. Good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, Patricia. And How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm very good. And it's great to chat to you. I suppose firstly, outline to us what has been installed in the, the local Gwail Skull in Ballyvourney.
9: So we have installed 10 specially designed, um, I, I suppose, built-in boxes. Uh, so they're nest boxes, but they differ from normal nest boxes in that they're built and designed to take the place of a normal brick. So they become a part of the construction of, of the building as opposed to something that you uh, fit externally or bolt on externally, you know. Ah, that's and, very uh, clever. Uh, well, yeah, it's not a new innovation, no. I mean, these these, these items are available for sale, you know, on the Internet and, and, and so on and so forth. But, yeah, there's a lot of advantages. It's a lot cheaper, obviously, uh, because, you know, your contractors and your scaffolding and all that are there. Uh, they're there for the lifetime of the building, so that's an advantage. Uh, and the Swifts do seem to take to them more readily than they do to the external s-boxes. So there are multiple advantages and there are no drawbacks, really, you know. They require no maintenance either, of course, given that they are uh, built into the building, you know. So they're 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 a very easy win, really, and hopefully um, something that we'll see a lot more of going brilliant, forward.
1: Brilliant. Now, how did you go about selecting this particular school in Ballyvourney?
9: Well, I started this as a sort of a voluntary endeavour last year and I work in the area of ecology and I was just fortunate to get a little bit of funding or a a generous amount of funding from Gas Networks Ireland. Uh, And around the time I was just driving past the school in Ballyvorney, I noticed that there was a, a significant construction project happening and I also noticed some swifts flying overhead. So I thought, well, okay, here would be a a, a good school to to try. So I just um, cold called the school and uh, I was, you know, really delighted with the um, very enthusiastic uh, response. You know, uh, there's, there's a lot of goodwill out there. Uh, towards birds and swifts, and uh, it was and it was a very encouraging start, I have to say. And
1: when I heard about the project, I was thinking for the, for the children and and the future children that will go to that school. I mean, it's a wonderful initiative for them.
9: Well, well, it is. I think schools are, are a very good idea because uh, you know, first of all, it's a public building, so lots or more schools, are, if not all schools, are so lots of people get to to see it in benefits uh, you'll hope that they will always be there the school isn't going to change hands or change owners like maybe a house would for example you know uh, and then of course there is the educational benefit and you know these these things like seeing a swift or, or seeing something like that it, it can provide inspiration to to um, to people you know for their future lives or future careers or hobbies or interests or whatever. So yeah, I think schools are are a really good location for for these type of projects. Lots of people can can benefit, you know. But and because
1: of our changing environments, are, are we or have we been seeing a decrease in the swift population in this country?
9: Yeah, swift swift numbers have have declined drastically. So uh, historically, swifts would have nested in in uh, maybe old woodpecker holes and trees and in cavities and cliffs. But at some stage in the past, they figured out or discovered by chance, I guess, that uh, buildings, man-made buildings, provide spaces for them to nest in. Um, And so for a long time, they they did well nesting in our buildings. Um, But nowadays, buildings are built to a higher standard uh, and the materials are more long-lasting. You know, the likes of PVC, for example, Uh, it doesn't rot quite so easily uh, and the vast majority of our buildings now provide you no know, spaces for SWIFT and their numbers have declined. You know, there are various estimates out there. You know, yeah, because yeah, I, like I, I 50% was... 50% in the last decade of this type of I act, was know? checking
1: on uh, Birdwatch Ireland, who we, we often speak with here on the programme, and they have them on the, the red list. So that, donates, that that's high concern for Birdwatch Ireland
9: is that indicates like that they're undergoing uh you know a large decrease in numbers and if that continues uh they will become extinct. Yeah. And they, they are they are gone from a lot of towns. It can it can happen very quickly, you know. Um and very often people don't even know that they have nesting swifts. Huh. Uh, they, they they like I, I was at a school last Monday at all Gale Skull Curran Uh, and we were installing some external nest boxes. And I was there with the caretaker, Keith, and a teacher, Aoife, and and the builder, Sean, and his helper, Michael. And I was pointing up at the school at a a likely spot to put swift nest boxes, and in went the swift into its (laughs) nest, and and nobody had ever seen it. And no, that's that's not a a, a reflection on them not being observant. It's a reflection on how difficult they can be to detect. There's no visible nest. There's no droppings. They don't feed around outside the nest. So in an hour, a swift might bring a meal to its chicks once. It'll take one second to go in under a gutter or whatever, one second to come out. And they're not looking. Yeah, if you're not looking at that, that moment spot, yeah, yeah. you're not going to see it, you know. Yeah.
1: And, um, and Camille, I don't know if this is a dumb question. Your your nest boxes in Ballyvourney. how do you track the swifts into your nest boxes?
9: So you play their call just at a very low volume. Uh, they they have very very good hearing, much better than ours. And we, as a rule of thumb, say if you can hear it, if a person can hear it at five metres distance, it's loud enough. So in, in nature, what will happen is that young swifts, maybe that are born this year, will come back next year at one year old or two years old or three years old, and they will they will find adult swifts feeding. And they will follow the adult swifts back to the nest sites, and they look around where the adult swifts are nesting to see if there's other nest sites. So obviously, when you've a new, a new installation of, of nest boxes, that's not going to work because there's no adult swifts in residence, yeah so what you do is you play a recording of the calls that a pair of swifts make from inside the nest, and that's that's pretty irresistible to the young birds, you know, so if young birds fly over at some stage they'll be attracted to that call and then they'll investigate you know now that's something that uh, you need a license from the national parks and wildlife service to do uh, you know just just to point that out uh, but but it's 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 well tried and tested and you know it is very successful i did it in my own house back in 2021 swifts found the nest boxes that year young swifts they came back in 2022 and nested uh, and they're back again this year. And nest. they
1: keep coming back. Then once they've,
9: they, they, they do, and that's a problem for them. Once a pair of swifts selects a nest site, that the exact location of the entrance becomes imprinted on their memory. Uh, and if you block up that entrance, they'll keep trying to get in. Oh, like, bless. They are. Um, and they and they at least they at least keep trying for the whole season. And it's known that they'll come back the next season and keep trying to get in. It's incredible, uh, and, isn't it? And, uh, you know, it's possible that they could do it for a number of years. So we cause them a lot of problems when we might innocently fill up a hole, mm. and we might know that there's something nesting in there, and there could be chicks in there, and you know, where we kind of we we we, we kind of uh, put their lives into chaos when that happens. And uh, you know, it's not deliberate, but it happens a lot. And I think nowadays. You know, there is a really big focus on renovating derelict properties and vacant properties, which is really important for people. Uh, But I'd be very fearful for the impact that that's going to have on swifts, because a lot of our swifts are in these sort of derelict buildings. And the people doing this work might be aware, you know. Um, I think when people are aware, there's very easy fixes. You can renovate a derelict building and you can cater for the SWIFT. Yeah, really, that's it. That's it. You know, and and you know.
1: projects like what you're involved with in Ballyvornia in would be great to see more of those, wouldn't it?
9: Well, it would. And there is a recommendation in the Citizens Assembly on Biodiversity Loss report to update the planning and building regulations to include for built-in boxes for a range of species. Uh, so really, with the Irish government declaring the biodiversity crisis back in two thousand and nineteen in my opinion, there is absolutely no reason whatsoever why this isn 't being done already like i mean if we can 't if we if we declare these crises and we can 't implement available solutions which have no drawback which do work mm-hmm. what 's the hope for for more what 's the hope for saving species which are much more difficult to conserve you know i mean this absolutely. is what like absolutely so, absolutely you, you know.
1: okay listen i've really enjoyed my chat with you just very briefly and finally where did you develop this passion for birds
9: well, I've when I was a young fella I used to just be fascinated with the birds in my back garden in, in Cork and I guess my family and so on saw that so then someone bought a bird feeder for me for Christmas and then a bird book and then it just grew from there and I think once you learn a bit about birds and the kind of journeys they undertake and get a bit of context it's very difficult not to be very impressed, you know um, and I think we all should be very grateful to birds. We all benefit, even though we might not think it, uh, you know, in the areas of healthcare, in the areas of biomimetics, which is studying nature for human technology, in the areas of food. You know, we benefit, all of us, all the time from birds. Uh And yes, you know, it, it's very much a, take, t- a taking relationship uh, so I'm, you know, I'm very keen to give something back, you know, and wow. I think everybody should, to be honest.
1: You're doing fantastic work. Uh, well done to you, Noel. And thanks, Amelia, for taking time out to talk to us today.
9: The, there's no bother. Just to thank Gas Networks Ireland and Scullabon Afe and the builder and the architect. Okay. Thanks very much. <laughs> well done. God
1: bless. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye, we a lovely man. That is uh, Noel uh, Lenehan. Looking after the birds for the future is our n- Noel. And good luck to all of the children at that school who are going to get It's the Gwale Skull uh, they have a born naifa a, a in the middle of the Gwilthroth area of Ballyvourney on the, the cork Kerry border they're going to have years and years of fun I think watching those SWIFTS come back every year Dermot reacting uh, to my chat in the last hour with Noel Lenehan about the SWIFT boxes I think that's I love when I see projects like that particularly projects like that that are going to involve uh, children and future generations of children I think it's uh, wonderful but Dermot says he's been living in the countryside and he discovered about 14 years ago that he had swifts uh, nesting um, in or around his house so he put up a box and he said he now has a fine nest of swifts here at the moment and he said every year without fail they arrive back to the nest he said it's wonderful to see them and to hear them in the evenings isn't that gorgeous uh, long may that continue Dermot uh, thank you for that ok still getting A lot of commentary in to do with uh, RT Investigates and what do they call it? Milking it, Dairy's Dirty Secrets. Let me give you some of the commentary coming in. Kitty and Kinsey said it was shocking to watch that programme last night and the people that were working in the marts and the cruelty that was done to those poor little animals. Uh, Kitty goes so far as to say people that can be identified who were filmed abusing the animals should be fired from their jobs. Should even go further. She said there should be a jail sentence for them. Said if me or you or anybody else did something like that so publicly, we would be jailed. The way they treated them, throwing them around the place, pulling them by the tail and the ears, it was awful. There should be outrage today about this. But well, I think there is. I think a lot of people are genuinely, really upset about it, including people within the farming community. You know, I mean, there is, you know, there's bad apples, unfortunately. Uh, in every basket and, and they're tiring every, and, so, and it's wrong to tire everybody with the same brush but what I didn't realise until uh, you know when I was doing some um, research on it last night before the programme uh, went to air seemingly pulling the tail of a calf or pulling at their ears they're very sensitive uh, areas and that's why when you see that being done on the programme uh, last night it was particularly cruel and nasty to do that and seemingly as part of the training that people would get working with animals they would know that I mean I certainly didn't know not that I'd be going around pulling the tail and ears of a calf, but I wouldn't even have known that they were just superly sensitive parts of the little animal's uh, body. John Incove uh, says while they're on the ship, the calves are pinned into the same spot in the trailer and they're chained onto the deck. The feed was on the top deck and it's open to all of the elements of the weather. So if the ship hit bad weather, the cattle will be battered all over the place in that trailer. Well, that was the one thing that Fran McNulty said last night. It was a very smooth sailing, thank God. The Saying to Sherbert that night, but Harold Kingston uh, pointed out that when there are rough seas, the ferry companies are not allowed to take live animals for that reason because they would be literally battered all o- over the place. So that is something that is uh, looked at. 0818103103, some of your texts in on this. Patricia, there is no Irish uh, farmer who wants beef, or who wants uh, calves they're just all involved in milk one way or another and that's the way it's gone in this country. Michael says, Patricia, how are you? Now, Michael fesses up and said, look, I didn't see the programme last night, but obviously he's listening to the fallout from it. But he said, I think the difference between before quota and now was that before quota, back in the 80s, which is what Harold Kingston was was, uh, talking about, when we had the same amount of cattle as we do today. Michael, I think, is raising a very good issue. He said, we, back then, we had so many small And medium farms, a lot of those farmers are now gone. We have instead massive operations with huge herds. We saw the feed crisis over the last number of years overstocking is a big, big problem, says uh, Michael. Somebody else says, Patricia Harold Kingston is completely missing the point on your programme this morning. He's only trying to put a good spin on a wrong law that was made and we have overexpanded too uh, quickly. And Joe says, the dairy industry is simply greenwashing. As usual, animal welfare and water quality are far down the line. Joe feels greed and big profit seems to be the name of the... The game. Um, I think that's all I have in. Let me just check if that's all I've in on that particular issue. Okay, some co- other commentary coming in on things we have been uh, discussing. Oh, yesterday, remember we were talking talk about the new layout for the Dunkettle uh, roundabout. And there was a couple of people on to us who had been, who had driven on it on either the Sunday or yesterday. And they they failed, even though they, said they were looking carefully, they failed to see signs for Cork. And they thought that was all a little bit confusing. Well, William Glamire was on uh, to say that he has driven the new Dunkettle interchange, he says. There are four very large signs indicating Cork. Before the slip road to Little Island, there are two signs and again, after the next slip there are road, there are again two more signs. He says these are huge signs and couldn't be missed. But he does agree. If you're in the wrong lane at that stage, you can forget about it. And that's why we were asking people in the early days of people getting used to the new layout to please be patient. And I know when we Ken Parrott on from our street fleet, that was one of the points he made to be aware of who's in front of you. And if they're indicating that they're in the wrong lane, to just have a little bit of patience because that is what's going to be needed just until people get their bearings and get to know which lanes they should and shouldn't uh, be in. Michael says, Patricia, this is on uh, Ryan Tupperty and he attending the two committee meetings today. Ryan Tupperty has said he is at the committee's today to set the record straight about mistruths. It is apparent to the public that he cannot see the wood from the trees with the astronomical salary he has been receiving from the public purse. Those in RTE think they are stars, equivalent to that of Hollywood. God help us when you have people in positions who dream in that order. It's definitely a situation that warrants serious consideration. There are plenty of young, well-educated people in this country who live in reality that can perform any of those duties without fear of contradiction. It's good to see the committee get back to what they are supposed to be doing. Kevin Backhurst will be judged on his performance in a short while. Kind of regards, And that's from Michael. Even though one listener was making the point and I, I missed Kevin Backhurst yesterday when he was asked about a cap on wages. He wasn't in fair, in, in, he didn't seem to be in favour of it. He was saying that the talent should be paid what they the talent deserve but I suppose what we need to get back to we have a very small, we're we're a much smaller country here and we certainly can't have wages on par with say what presenters are making in the UK because it's it's a very different market with millions, millions more people than are living here in this country. And this is from Dennis, who listens to us across the water in Oxford. Dennis says, "As regards Ryan Tobery, undeclared our earnings would that have anything to do with income tax avoidance? Don't God." Dennis, that hasn't been mentioned yet and that could be a whole different can of a worms. And then a couple of people have been on just to give words of warning on scams and we like to constantly keep people updated on scams uh, because unfortunately we know there are still people getting caught out with scams. Somebody says, Trish... The eFlow scam up and running today. The listener got, that's a new version of it. Now I have to say on me, this one says eFlow. You were recorded using the motorway without paying the appropriate charges of €6.40 and then it asks you to go to, to click on an eFlow slash motorway slash charges slash dot Dot .com and if you don't do it immediately an additional fine of 97 euro and 50 cent will be sent to your home address Will you go away very obviously a scam well done and straight away you can cop that that's a scam by the dot .com because um, eFlow will come from a dot .ie uh, website but yeah absolutely a scam and eFlow will never send out text messages like that and somebody else is sending me on a scam there's actually an image included uh, in this can I see the image on this Oh, this is another uh, text message. OK. Hi Trish, just to make listeners aware, just received a scam text message. It's claiming to be from Electric Ireland saying a payment did not go through and I've attached the uh, image. The reason I'm aware that it is a scam, I myself do not pay the electricity bill. It's another member of the household does. But just to make listeners aware, thanking you. And that was the one, remember the young girl, who, the young woman I spoke with was it last week, the week before? Oh, God, she'd lost thousands of euro on that very same one. she had clicked and uh, unfortunately it was a ten thousand. and they were, they were trying to go for an extra five. They were trying to go for 15 and she lost 10,000 on it because unfortunately at the same time that the text message arrived, her Electric Ireland bill had landed on, on her desk and she knew that she had to update bank records. So she thought that that's what it was. She thought it was genuinely coming from Electric Ireland and she got caught out. So do be careful. And I don't know if it's just me and I'm open to see if anybody else can back me up on this. The last week or so, I'm getting a run on either those dodgy texts about eFlow or Electric Ireland or revenue or whatever. And then I've had a couple of, oh, I got the famous one. Hi, mum. I dropped my phone down the toilet and, you know, will you... Uh, contact me on this number on, on WhatsApp I obviously knew straight away that uh, it wasn't um, it certainly wasn't my daughter wouldn't I, I love the day that Marcia could be sending me a text message to say she dropped her phone phone down the toilet but it's another day's work. Anyway, uh, so I knew I knew it wasn't uh, for me. And then the following day, I think I got two or, or next over the next couple of days last week, I got two or three missed calls. And again, purporting to be from Amazon. I think there was one from Revenue, you know, and very obviously uh, scam calls. And I, I, I was just saying that I hadn't had a text, a scam text or a scam call in a while. And then just suddenly over last week, I got a run on them. So I don't know if they'd taken holidays and they'd lost my number somewhere along the line, but they were back with a vengeance last week. Nothing so far this week, but don't you know the very fact that I've uttered it, I'll probably get another one this afternoon. Always one eight one zero three one zero three. John Paul continues to take your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary.
0: With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie.
1: The Pike Theatre Group there in Balancholic in association with the Cork Accordion and Fiddle Club. They're holding a fundraising event in Balancholic a Rugby Club and it is tonight at 8. Now, admission is free, but what they do, will do is they will accept donations and the donations are being uh, collected for a little six year old by the name of Emma Molner. now Emma is travelling up and down to Dublin for treatment for a tumour at the moment so it's to defray the costs Mallow Field Club are having an outing to uh, Kilmallock. they're asking people to meet at the Garda station at half six this evening now if you're planning on travelling directly to Kilmallock, Please be advised you'll have to avoid Butterprint because Caramie Fair is uh, tomorrow and I mentioned earlier the diversions actually are already in place. Shambhali Moore, bingo that's on tonight at 8. Shambalymore Community Centre. Now their jackpot is €2,000 Euro and it's in 45 calls or less and everyone is very welcome. And Kyolpas Weekly Session is starting tomorrow, Wednesday, 8 o'clock. It's in the Heritage Centre in Fremont. Now, the special guest tomorrow night will be Frances Kennedy and admission will be €10. Euro. And staying with Thursday night, an evening of ballads and folk music will be on this Thursday, Palace Theatre in Formoy. It's with the Kilkenny and the Fogues. Now, it's got an 8 o'clock uh, start and uh, tickets are from the box office on 025 320
4: today on C103.
0: With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. See C103.
1: And a couple of lovely texts in in response to my interview with Noel Lenehan who was talking about the Swift Box projects uh, that he's got involved with in the, the National School in Ballyvourney. Somebody says, well done to Mr O Luna who's the principal of Scolabon Nefa and Scolabon Nefa is the school where Noel put up the nest boxes this listener says once again he's come up trumps he's a super leader and a pure gentleman and Noel said the same thing because it was like Noel contacted him cold calling saying I see you're doing some building work would you be interested in some swift boxes and he got on board uh, straight away so well done that sounds like a fantastic uh, school and then thank you to Martha Cashman to say that her eco project is called More Clay Less Plastic Ireland and she wants to thank No Lennon, who we spoke with, for his support on the Yall Swift Habitat project. Thanks to support from Noel. Uh, Martha says that they now have got SWIFT boxes in the Secondary School, Brunislee Music Centre and the Gwale School in Ballyvorny that we spoke about. Um, Martha says we'll have him back in September for talks on the importance of supporting SWIFTs. And she says I'll send you on info in August. Please do, please do. 0818 103, 103. and still getting in calls about the RT investigation programme last night and and particularly from farmers I think themselves. Farmers themselves are really disappointed with it. Here's one just in saying, Hi I'm a dairy farmer. I'm very disappointed with the way calves were treated in the marts and what was shown on that programme last night. I gave up taking calves to the mart as I wasn't happy with the way they were being treated and I actually told the manager the reason I was doing it. I now only sell my calves to the Wicklow Calf Company. They move the calves without any abuse and they treat them very well. I watch them, I ask a lot of questions and they always tell me to call to see their yard and the way they treat them and they only want strong calves, i.e. calves over four weeks of age. I think no calves should be sold under three weeks of age and extend the age you can sell calves from 42 days to at least 60 days maybe not sell any calves under the 30 day mark and P.S. Wicklow only get paid for live healthy calves that land at the uh, destination so thank you for that and let me go to a caller Dennis who is a driver of cattle No, he doesn't I believe uh, good afternoon Dennis
6: Patricia, how are you?
1: I'm not too bad. Now, you you actually transport cattle. You don't go abroad, but you transport cattle here we in do, this we, here we, in this country.
6: No, Patricia, We do go abroad, and we we, we, bought, we transport them at portham in Ireland, and we go abroad as well with calves. Okay. Um, we're, we H D Logistics. We're down in Charleville. now. I'm chairman myself of North Cork ICSA. Right. Okay. So, like, I do take a keen interest in on the way cattle and uh, and calves would be uh, handled uh, in route. Now, look. Last night, um, I think the picture was painted was was anything but the truth, and that's why I'm ringing this morning. Um, there wasn't a driver shown last night that abused the calf in any shepherd's Um It showed the lorries uh, uh, travelling from the leverages here, which is where they do travel from. They don't travel from maths here. Okay. All them calves are bought up by dealers. They're brought to leverage. The trucks themselves will then come along, and in fairness to, to the people here, they do provide a number of people here. So the, tra- the trailer is loaded. It's bedded with straw. Um, the department people will be there on site. Um, the truck, uh, the trailer itself is fitted with fans. And if, your fan, if there's only one fan not working out of, the, out of all of them that's in the trailer, um, the trailer would be not load, allowed to leave. Now, the drivers themselves, as um, the man in the week-luck half-company said last night, these are not just lads uh, that drive lorries. These lads, you know, I would believe it. Some of them are even part-time farmers themselves. We have one lad here who works for us. So they, uh, so what, what you're
1: saying is they know how to treat animals?
6: Exactly. No, I was very disappointed last night. Look, Patricia, if I leave here to go to Dublin, and no matter what hurry I'm in, mean, I have to take a break. Okay. Um, I'll usually stop at the toll Bridge there in Portleish, get out. The first thing any fellow to drive your truck will do is get out and walk around. We do that for exercise more than anything. And last night, I couldn't believe that every time the truck was pictured, there was no sign of a driver walking around, which is crazy. Which tells me that it was an opportunity and it was pure opportunistic the way that 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 uh, that documentary was made last night. Can I make another point? Um, as long as I'm going to the maths, and I think the, the farmers will have to uh, um, um, will say, will say this as well. You bring your calves to the mat in the morning, and you get your numbers.
9: Mm-hmm.
6: The calves then are put into pins. Uh, by the drovers in the maps. Uh they're not brought in at 12 o'clock at night. That doesn't happen. At, at least, I, I look, I've, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the maps for the last 40, 45 years. I've never seen that to happen, right? Now, uh, the trailers themselves cost us a lot of money, right? Uh, but it was, you know, because of the, of the link we have to the farming and so forth, uh, we're actually delighted to see the comforts that are laid on for cattle, or for calves and, and, and cattle, because like they travel in an near... Uh, a trailer that, that, that's travelling on air um, they have as I said the fence, they also, the modern trailers of today have the water systems whereby there's drinkers provided on all decks for the calves, do you know what I'm saying? But um, they,
1: and this and, idea of they've got uh, every 12 hours you have to rest
6: them,
5: you have to yes, stop. they are
6: rested and fed uh, uh, this thing they were pointing to saying last night they painted a picture last night that the calves leave the farm and go to a bath and they go on a truck and they're on it for hours and hours that's not true. The well that particular
1: truck that particular truck at on one stage it was eighteen and a half hours. From when it came well, off Pat- the, from when it left Sherbrooke before it got to Spain. But Patricia,
6: that's what we're told. And we can only go by, by 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 what we're told last night. I mean look, we were always told that RTE was was was, was ran into all into this and that, Well, no we see it wasn't. And uh, I think you uh, know, uh, it's uh, a bit unfair to divert it last okay. night away from okay. RTE in the sense of what is going okay. on well, and, well, well, and go, take on the farming community. Well, you well,
1: OK, well, go back to the scenes that we that you we definitely can stand over because we saw it. The people kicking calves, the people hitting calves with sticks, throwing them down on well, the trailer. Well, I can tell
6: you there, Patricia, is I've never witnessed that in my life. I've never witnessed that to happen on the map. I, I haven't. And I've been in there all hours of the morning and night and I've never seen that to happen. Well, I've uh, a da- I have a dairy
1: farmer who's and just... I, cal- and
6: it, well, well, look, what we saw last night, right,
9: yeah. is an
6: example again. I know, and I'm not here to, I can't be held responsible or even comment on what, what happens in the maps.
9: Yeah. I can
6: only tell you what happens with the, once they go on the, the, the truck and travel and the way they are treated. Um, uh, once they get off over, we might travel for about 15, 20, maybe 20 minutes uh, to leverage, where they're taken off and rested for the 12 hours, they're well fed, and not put back on until the following morning and then they might have maybe anything we'd have three and a half and a four, four to four and a half hour journey depending where you're going.
1: Would you ever transport cattle at uh, three weeks and under?
6: No. I've never, we've never taken anything I've never seen calves going at that age and I think you know for farmers coming on saying this morning I know I'm a farmer myself but you know there is this thing about and, and it was highlighted last night that people think the calf is worthless mm. um, the bull calf but like you know, some of these calves, um, it, it, you know, I don't think from the time they're born, they're actually fed right until they actually meet the likes of the leverages where they're bought. They're brought in and they're and they're uh, cared for before they are loaded, and that is a fact. And you know, I think even last night, um, the men in the week look, um
1: company. Uh, calf
6: company invited people, invited anyone that would want, would like to travel in the lorry, go and see what happens. I mean, even do you know what. The, the way the lorries were presented last night, how clean they were. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? It gave a great image uh, in one sense, right? But unfortunately, we were tired with the wrong brush.
1: Why can't we have veal production in this country, lots of people are asking? Why do we have to transport 200,000 animals out of the yeah. country?
6: It's a, it's, it's a good question. Uh, I, I, and again, it's something that I wouldn't be familiar with. I couldn't answer it. Uh, the only thing that I can tell you is if we weren't, if the calves weren't leaving the country of Patricia, we'd be leaving ourselves. Because we wouldn't be able to, if, if all those calves stayed in Ireland, uh, it would be a disaster for us completely.
1: Okay, are we producing too much milk? Is that the problem?
6: I don't think. Well, look, um, the people that be, um they advise people to invest heavily in the dairy industry yeah, when they the did. the quarter
5: yeah.
6: and, and no one no one, one
1: discussed at the time. Well, if yes. if we're if we're if we're, if we're in, insisting on expanding the milk production the calves have to be born nobody thought about well on the law of average there's a 50-50 chance that the calf will be male and, and of no use to some farmers exactly. that didn't seem exactly. to have been looked at at the time
6: No because all the rush to get you know what you asked yourself the question what really was behind all the wind on because as you said if they were really thinking about the consequences of producing uh, have to, you guys doubling the amount of cows they had and all the the, 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 the things that follow um, you could, so, well, somebody didn't plan their thinking cap somewhere. Like, okay.
1: All right. Somebody wants to know what about the long haul uh, cattle ships that used to be there in the 80s. Cattle used to go from Cork to Egypt. It used to take about three weeks. They were built yeah. in pens on the ship. That's
6: does right. Den- that's does right. Dennis well, remember those? To the, best, to the best of my knowledge, that's still going on. Is it? Um, it is, yeah. Uh, and, and you're right, because there was pins and there was uh, all... The, I remember above in Cork in the port. long ago, uh you would have fellas going up with with, with straw and with o and he and all this kind of thing uh to be put, loaded onto the ship.
1: But there's an animal welfare issue there, isn't there that Three and a half hours at sea.
6: Well, even would you believe last month we 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 took uh heifers out to uh, the south of France and they went from there to Africa. Would you believe that?
1: Uh, On a boat. Yeah. Our, our you know what I'm yeah, it's yeah, our, our, our around it the is, world what, over, what, yeah. We'll yeah, always have an export is, market, yeah.
6: Well the thing about it is look, right? The other side, and it was highlighted it last night, that the drivers of these trucks, they're humans. They have to take their brakes. So every time, and, and, and it did show last night, and they didn't say how many times the, times the trucks pulled in as I'm, as, as I'm concerned, but it did show that the drivers were pulling in, taking their brakes, and I, I, there's no way in the life of me that I would think that a driver would pull up on the side of the road because I know it myself and wouldn't get out and stretch his legs. It's the first thing but, we do, and, but, you know, it's a natural thing you do. And then you, if you, if, if you, if you, you walk, walk around the truck.
1: If you walk around the truck and you see an animal distressed, can you do something at that point?
6: You can, of course, yeah. we will, uh, like, Thanks be to God, we, we very, very seldom come across anything like that because... Um, all you can do is, is you know, you try to get the calves to move around inside it or something. And, and I know nine times out of ten, I've never seen the calf that I don't like. They're but did you,
1: did you see when the truck pulled in, the, the, the first thing they did was haul off a calf that had died?
6: Well, look, unfortunately, you know, uh, and I hate saying this, but look, you no know, matter what form of travel you have or what's travelling, whether it be animals or humans, you know, you, you can't have fatalities and we unfortunately we can't do anything about that. Okay. And right. nobody I'm I mean over. the calf wasn't tested that came off the truck and they said oh it was because of the heart, the transport here, the calf. we don't know. We don't know. We
1: don't know. All right, listen, no. Dennis, good to chat to you. Thank you for that. Good to go. and Thank uh, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, 103, 103 103 Our lines are open.
4: Court today on C one oh three
0: with Corrigan Insurance is Macroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See MIG You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And Joe Heffernan
1: uh, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, and, and today we're, we're going to be talking about uh, depression because I think this is to do with uh, a question uh, that somebody asked you. How, 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 how would somebody know if they had depression? And it's something actually I, I recently was discussing uh, with somebody who went through uh, a bout of uh, depression and ended up having to go to the doctor and, you know, got, mm. got, got uh, herself sorted out. But she said at the time that she didn't know whether she was just feeling down, a bit of low mood or was she actually was it actually depression that she was suffering from? And she when she went to her GP and went through a series of questions and, and whatever, and it turned out it was and, and she needed a little bit of help just to get over it. So it, mm. it can be hard sometimes, can't it? Because we all go through periods where you're just feeling a bit down. That's not necessarily depression.
8: Yeah. I mean, uh, we'd call a reactive depression would be if something bad happens, like I lose my job. Um, uh, I am, um, you know, a bad thing has happened, like a bereavement, and, um, yeah, that a person is feeling down. Um, Is that, um, uh, you know, is there a a possible diagnosis of um, depression? Now, we're not going to attempt to diagnose anyone (laughs) uh, uh, today or any other day, but what we could do is we could ask a few pertinent questions like, um, that a person could have a listen to the, there are 12 of them. Okay. And the suggestion is that if you answer yes to six of them, in other words, 50% of the time you say, yeah, yeah, I can go along with that. Well, then, um, that would suggest that maybe you should, um, go a little bit further and, um, make an appointment with the GP or go and visit the GP and, um, Uh, And and talk it out further or go to someone in my line of work or, uh, you know, do something about it anyway. Um, So all we're talking about today would be an indication that it would be a good idea to talk to someone. To go
1: to somebody else. Okay, go down there. You've got 12 questions and you were just asking Mm. people uh, to count up the amount of yeses that you have to these. Okay.
8: So whether, whether, whether we're going to count on our fingers or whether we're going to put a mark on a page or whether we're just going to make a note in our heads of the number of yeses. So I'll call out the 12 of them and um, uh, we'll ask that a person would uh, note how many do they answer yes to. Okay. Here we go. Um, I feel sad most of the time. Yes or no. I get no pleasure, number two. I get no pleasure from anything now. Yes or no. Three. I have no energy. Yes or no. I awake early, not rested, and don't get back to sleep. Number five. I find I can't concentrate or remember things. Number six, I have had dramatic weight loss or indeed weight gain uh, without having been on a diet uh, to bring that about, uh, that it just uh, has happened. Number seven, I am difficult to get on with these times. I am irritable and, you know, in bad form, yes or no. Number eight. I don't like myself. I don't like the way I am now. Yes or no. Number nine, I worry about my physical health. Number ten, I feel guilty for no valid reason. In other words, I'm feeling like, um, oh, that's my fault. And that other thing, that's my fault. Even though it doesn't make sense that it is. Uh, my fault, or not exclusively my fault anyway. Um, Number 11, I find I can't make decisions these times. And number 12, the final one, I have had thoughts of killing myself.
1: Well... And obviously, that's the more the most uh, serious one of them yeah. all. Uh, and if you have any thoughts like that, then you immediately go and and get the help uh, and go to go speak to a GP. You know, yeah. just just go uh, go get help. Okay. So so th- th- there's a lot of detail in 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 those questions. It's more because as, as I said at the outset, you can have a down day and you can be fed up and oh my god, everything's on top of you. But then it passes. But what you're talking about is six or more yeses and it's been hanging around for a while and you just kind of can't um, uh, shake it off.
8: So Absolutely. If you, if you go, it's not just the phenomenon of, you know, that was me on Monday, but I was grand on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then mm. if you go along, you, and you always recommend that your GP is your first mm. port of call. Mm. I think sometimes when people, when they think about depression, they straight away think of antidepressants and they straight away, oh my God, i hate to be on antidepressants. It isn't, while antidepressants, it might be. It isn't always the case, is that fair to say?
8: It's absolutely fair and correct to say that, um, you know, uh, somebody goes to see their GP, um, uh, different things might happen. Um, I've had quite a few people come here, having been referred by their GP, um, that they need to, as it were, talk things out, um, uh, which often is extremely helpful. Um, You know, um, um, parts of one's life that um, one wouldn't be sharing uh, casually with friends, um, but in a confidential setting that a person might, as it were, we know that old phrase, um, getting a thing off your chest. um, So that would be um, a regular occurrence. Um, The GP, if things were... Uh, wanted it, might um, refer on to, um, uh, you know, psychiatry um, or uh, on some occasions um, a GP might um, prescribe an antidepressant. Um, That would be up to each person's particular um, conversation uh, with the GP. But if a person was under the impression that, um, or definitely without question, that would be antidepressants, they would be wrong. Yeah, um, and it know. isn't.
1: It isn't a sign of weakness that you had to take an antidepressant. I think. I think we've moved. I think we've come a long way from at one stage it was almost a taboo subject to say, "Oh, I've I've had to go on antidepressants." Uh, while I, I think people don't go around wearing t-shirts promoting it, but I think there's a much more acceptance that there is medication that can
8: help. Absolutely, and in all aspects of mental health. I mean, we hear about mental health, um, you know, so, so regularly now um, that we don't kind of, um, you know, wonder at the phrase mental health. Um, we all understand the importance of mental health. Yeah. Um, even to do now with Wimbledon at the moment and the tennis and all that, yeah. um, how many tennis players have we heard saying, you know, I'm I'm taking a break. Um, uh, mental health, um, uh, ju- just the same as another. Uh, <laughs> I'm homing in on tennis players today. Just the same as um, if a tennis player said, um, "I've pulled a muscle," um, um, I, I I have to take time out with that. It's now accepted that um, uh, a person's mental health. Um, uh, is uh, important and and uh, and can be talked about without any um uh, you know shame about talking about mental health why would we yeah. i mean um you know we've all had our mental health problems um i i uh, i can't imagine anyone who's uh, lived a life who hasn't had mental health problems now there are mental health problems that last and last and need to be diagnosed and need to be treated. There are mental health problems that people come from, but might have hung around for a long time. But um, there's nothing whatsoever, as you say, Patricia, to be ashamed of in that. Mm. Just the same as, you know, uh, if, if I got COVID uh, back when the COVID was rampant, um you know, there was nothing to be ashamed about because I caught this virus. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And,
1: and, you know, when you talk about the tennis players, they, they, there's another public figure that's been very public with his battle with mental health, and that's the singer Louis Capaldi. And and we watched him at Glastonbury, and it, God help him, he just got a panic attack on stage, and it kicked off his Tourette's really badly, and he couldn't sing. and It was just heartbreaking to watch it. And, of course, he had to come out uh, publicly afterwards to say he thought he'd got his mental health back on track. He realised that that break he had taken over three weeks before Glastonbury. He thought that would be enough, and he's now sort of bowing out for at least a year to work on his mental health. And I just thought the bravery yeah. of the young lad, and I think yeah. I think it helps others, doesn't it, to see somebody does, that course. successful? It,
8: yeah, yeah. I I think actually the the the. The crowd at the was it Glastonbury? It Just happened? Glastonbury,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
8: I think they kind of helped him through it they by carrying him along.
1: Along. They did, they did. Yeah, it was lo- it was yeah. Lovely. I it read was,
8: about that. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was a lovely story. Yeah, that um, you know, people said the guy is in trouble. Let's yeah. help out. Let's bail him out. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Okay, but and um, and um, you've also got you know there, there there's a lot of self help groups that
8: are oh, around yeah. as well yeah like a very well known one know to do with depression would be AWARE one 800 80 48 that's one 800 80 48 AWARE of course we've all heard of the Samaritans uh, 1-800-116-123 um, we've heard of Pieta House one eight hundred two four seven two four seven, 247 247 and and um, you know, one 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 two minutes on Google, and you'll find all those numbers. Yeah. and reach and, out. Uh, reach the, out. And the biggest resource being your own GP
1: OK and so to finish off hi Patricia and Joe antidepressants are a lifesaver nothing to be ashamed of if you mm. work with your doctor you will get better good advice thank you for that Joe have a lovely week mm. and, we'll, and cha- we'll, we'll chat again next Tuesday with good, good afternoon indeed. to you Joe Heffernan runs a counselling practice in Boho Bui. his number is 086 834 8145 got to leave it there thanks to John Paul Nick Rich is up next start to tomorrow 10
4: Court Today on C103
0: with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of my McCarthy Insurance Group, they don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. cmig.ie